And welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. We expose the existential threats to America. We discuss the news of the day. I just want to comment right away, Claude, and let you comment. Overwhelming response to the podcast featuring Conrad Black and Victor David. Well, Hansen. yeah, we asked for emails. Folks have emailed in. Uh, they love hearing you three. And I hate to say this, but unfortunately today it's 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 just you on the show. <laughs> Although I, no one minds. Unfortunately. But, well, I mean, given the feedback from the show, it's my podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind, and I'm sure no one else minds. But they enjoyed having yeah, you no, guys, and so there's great. there's um, you know obviously on this show we'll have both back and we'll do that again. But there's some talks of uh, yeah. you know. Something else going on. Yeah, there, you know, value yeah. added. No, they were great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, didn't sound like old men. Sounded well, like, the, uh, yeah, well, lively, great, passionate uh, human beings. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was a conversation with three uh, intelligent, uh, thoughtful uh, uh, people. And and one of the things that I enjoyed about it the most was, you know, as you tossed questions and thoughts out to Victor Davis Hanson and Conrad Black, they also were able to ask you your thoughts because so many times you are the interviewer and you dig into into the thoughts of others and what are they th- and, and what they're thinking about the news of the day and, and things that are happening and you don't always get a chance although we do the rants every day but you don't get a chance to express your thoughts and so um, you know I appreciated you being asked questions from thoughtful people who are probing you because. I mean, you're a gem and a treasure that way, in the oh way that you God. think, and the way that you. I know, I know this you're makes just you, making up no. for what you said earlier. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's only me. I know this makes you uncomfortable. If people could see your face, you know, but but you've got to let me say this. I mean, it because there were so many emails that also reflected this as well. It was great to be able to hear you ask questions and you share your thoughts as well I as know. these three. I mean, it's it's equal. And yes, I mean, <laughs> it's just you today. Some of it, some of it was a little slanted. Some of it was. Well, Bill, you're the inside Beltway guy. Yeah, they, Bill, they, you're they, the Washington <laughs> insider. They said everything except you're a swamp creature. Yeah, they did. Well, right. you called yourself a swamp creature during yeah, the show, I, did, I think. I did. I did. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway, today, uh, joining me today is another older guy, but who moves young, like mm-hmm. those two. That's Bing West. He's a former assistant secretary of defense, and he's a combat marine. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. We're going to talk to him about his new book, The Last Platoon, a novel of the Afghanistan War. First few things I want to discuss. Watching this pipeline decision, mm-hmm. we have an interesting email about this from Don and Liano. Two of them, actually, from Don. Who I believe said he vents to us because his wife is tired of hearing his yeah, vents. You can vent us <laughs> Pipeline, but I, is this the shape of things to come? That is, uh, more attacks on fossil fuels. So you eliminate the XL pipeline, you, no drilling on federal lands. He said he wouldn't attack fracking, but we'll see. Take the temperature here. doesn't look like it's uh, auspicious for fossil fuels. They really don't like fossil fuels. Uh, the trial of Donald Trump is, the best word for this is what Marco Rubio said, stupid. He's God. Leave him alone. I mean, right. the courts may go after him for tax things or other things, but... You know, stop it. I mean, plus now the the guy who will preside is not a justice of the Supreme Court, not Roberts. It's going to be Patrick Leahy, a mm-hmm. Democrat senator. Right. So your know, one rule in jurisprudence fundamental is you can't be a judge and juror in the same case. And with Leahy presiding, you know, he already said that impeachment ought to happen. He ought to be convicted. Right. It's just ludicrous. You've got to be careful of overreach here if you're the Democrats, right? I mean, I think we saw this earlier in President Trump's presidency. I mean, with Russian collusion, Russian collusion, Stormy Daniels, all these other things. It was all overreach, and it backfired. Yeah. You know? And no, uh, no, exactly could happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Um, 
Anyway, uh, other things. You know, the one the one that's easiest to remember for me, and I've been talking about it, and the audience will know, is this crazy thing with the girls and boys sports. That's what I was going to bring up. Cra- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it, listen, I was a pretty good basketball player. But in high school, and my high school was not a great basketball high school here in the DMV, but there's a lot of great basketball schools here, like DeMatha, Gonzaga, you know, the Catholic schools. I could, I would, I would have been the 13th, 14th player on, on the team. If somehow, if I felt I was a transgendered girl or what, I would have been an all star. I mean, it's not fair. Well, let's take a real athlete. Yeah. (laughs) Since you're insulting me, let me return the Let's take a guy who's not just, not so very good, but a really good athlete. Your son. Sure. Manny. How old is Manny? Eight. Eight. Okay. Have you seen eight year old girls? Run and play compared yeah. to Manny. Right. No, you're right. You're I mean, right. He's super, right? Yeah, well. And, and, scores touchdown every time he gets the ball. Yeah, right? I mean, 26 touchdowns last season. Yeah, 26. Season. Yeah. And, 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 and what, and, four games? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, you know, and it's obvious that the physical difference in the sports acumen of any of these boys is on a different level than the girls. Case in point, so the, uh, the uh, LPJ had their tournament at the Diamond Resorts, and with this particular tournament, it was just past winners of last year on the LPGA Tour. So only women who won on the tour could play in this, but they also had celebrities who were actors but athletes. And uh, these athletes, there was this guy, Aaron Hicks, who plays center field for the Yankees. He's driving the ball 320 yards with his driver. Uh, ladies in his group... They're driving at 260, 270. And, he, and I believe it was Gabby Lopez who won the event last year said, sometimes it gets frustrating just watching these guys who are athletes. They don't play our sport, but they're able to hit the ball so much further than we are. Uh, they make up a lot of strokes with their short game, but she's just saying like just athletically that sometimes it can even get frustrating that I do this every day. I'm a pro and still can't hit it as far as the center go. fielder for the Yankees. So you you dial that back. I mean, it's just a clear difference from what a guy's able to do biologically in, in a female. And so if you want to be transgender, okay, fine, you know, change, whatever. But then to then have that impact someone else, another another female. And you brought this up last week. This is supposed to be the pro-woman party, you know, the pro-feminist movement. Yeah, no, there was a book years ago, The War Against Boys, by Christina Hoff Summers, and it was about how things were being stacked against boys, you mm-hmm. know? and it was a, a fair book. Now we got The War Against Girls, mm-hmm. these girls' sports, and I don't know why more people aren't screaming about it, right? but they should be. Um, well, it's, ter- it's really an awful, awful thing, and um, I hope we'll start to hear some noise on it. All right, let's go to Don, uh, Don's first email, if you will. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, uh, he says, Bill and Claude, greetings, comrades. Uh, any right-wing demonstration, riot, will be deemed as insurgency and condemned as being caused by uh, Trump and his acolytes. Uh, the January 6th riots of the Capitol Hill, only won by the right, will be used to condemn all Republicans as right-wing supremacists. Uh, the, the demonstrations riots uh, that occurred on January uh, 20th, Biden uh, coronation in Portland and Seattle by uh, BLM and Antifa never happened. Uh, and if they uh, did, they were mostly peaceful. Yeah, you're not going to convict uh, Donald Trump on insurrection. Mm-hmm. Some of the things he said were reckless and irresponsible, but he didn't cause those things. A lot of that was planned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people were down at the Capitol while he was t- talking. Anyway, uh, yeah, but, uh, apparently uh, Biden did condemn Portland mm-hmm. uh, and Seattle uh, last, yesterday. Yeah, and there were several arrests made there. Now, again, the media is not covering a lot of the arrests and things like that, but there were some arrests made in the in the Portland and Seattle uh, yeah. riots. Yeah. There. yeah, let's go to um, the 
got so many emails. Yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, want to go to Jane? I, I, let me go and to, just for the moment, let me go to uh, Kathleen. Okay. All right, dear Dr. You've got to abbreviate this one because this is a long one, but it's interesting. <laughs> right down my alley, theoretically. Go yeah, we'll do some football stuff. She says, uh, dear Dr. Bennett, I followed you when I uh, could. Going back to the Tea Party days when you were on Morning in America. Uh, most recently, I've been listening to your Translating Trump podcast. You even answered my email question once on the air. Uh, she says, uh, today, as I listen to your normal football opening, <laughs> normal football opening. Well, well, I mean, when, yeah, when, it, when, when we, uh, when there's reason to do it, I guess. Uh, and then your further mentions of Alabama versus Ohio State, USC and Clemson with one of your guests. She's speaking of Brian Kennedy. Uh, I thought you might be a person I've been trying to find uh, for help with getting my grandson on some college football teams uh, this coming fall. So he lives in a small town uh, in Indiana, uh, played at Pine, uh, a Plainfield High School's football team. Uh, let's see, his senior year was his absolute best year. And so he played on both offense and defense uh, as wide receiver and linebacker. And so now he's training to become a long snapper. I think she wants to know if there's something you can do uh, to help get him on a team. Yeah, Max School. Uh, I guess he loves Alabama and Ohio State, but mm-hmm. didn't think he's got it there. But he has a minimum of 4.0 GPA, mm-hmm. made the All-State team. He should be recruited. Uh, you didn't tell me his height, weight, and you know, time in the 40, but uh, but you could. But look, you, you note here that his dad owns a CrossFit gym. Um, and so I wonder if the dad has people go to that gym, might have connections there. Yeah, I apparently don't know. He's, there's some Ball State University uh, connections there as well. Um, yeah, but I mean, it looks to me like he's got a good shot at it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, Ask Dad. It's a little removed, but that's just first thing occurred to me. Check with the real workout people in the gym for a Ball State connection. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you there's a Ball State connection. Somewhere. Sure. Otherwise, um, you know, I hope you've written Ball State directly. Look, he, he, he's All State team plays offense and defense, wide receiver, linebacker, even a long snapper. He's got a lot going for him. I got to believe mm-hmm. somebody's going to recruit him. And if there's tape, send tape out. Please send tape out. And yes. there's a thing now, I think, yes, where yes, yes, some yes. schools are allowing seniors who uh, may have missed out on some of their season to come back and then not count against their years of eligibility. Right. And so it affects the incoming freshmen, where I think you can enroll, enroll in the schools, but you won't get a scholarship until the next year. I mean, just ask about these different programs and different allowances for incoming freshmen, because a lot of schools are – Sympathetic about how COVID is affected the seniors yeah, 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 at the yeah, school, yeah. and so in, in turn, it's going to affect the affect the incoming freshmen. But I I, yeah, I love your first suggestion, especially which is send tapes, send tapes, video. Mm-hmm. and write the coach at Ball State. Uh, we know someone very well who wrote the coach school he wanted to go to, and said, "I will play my heart and soul out for you." Mm-hmm. And it really moved the coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, send that with the tape, and um, might do the trick. Anyway, good luck, Kathleen. Let's go to Don's second email, Don Uliano. All right, let's see. Uh, here's Don. This is uh, Bill and Claude. When Trump became pre- president, we had weekly counts of jobs created. I suggest weekly counts of jobs lost under Biden. In the spirit of my suggestion, let's start the count. First day in office, Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline, causing the loss of 10,000 jobs. Yes, great suggestion. And Don... Because you wrote us twice, mm-hmm. and you are always volunteering. And since your wife doesn't want to listen to you, <laughs> I know where this is going. you're the one who's going to keep the count. Yes, and if he sends it in weekly, I mean, we'll, Send we'll, it in yeah, weekly. we'll do a weekly report. Absolutely. Yeah, no, take it seriously, Yes, what you do. And, uh, you know, think of what his policy is, mm-hmm. policies are. 
And how does that end up losing jobs? And um, we'll we'll read the count. If you've got good, reliable data, we'll do it. If we get this segment sponsored, will we also pay Don? <laughs> well, but that's another job. You know, <laughs> right. We're talking about losing jobs. Right, yeah. Well, then that, that job would be subtracted. Send him a book. <laughs> he might not want to accept the job that's because my, he doesn't want the job numbers to increase. That's under. my default position. We'll send, send him a book. Paperback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go to Jane. Hi, Mr. Bennett. Happy to hear about your grandson's birth. Yes. Mm-hmm. How is young William? William Bennett. I was opposed to his being named for me. I said, right. Let him make his own enemies, you know. <laughs> He's great. He's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's a big kid. Maybe we'll big put boy. a picture up on the website. Sure. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask John if it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll ask John and then we'll, ask John and we'll put it on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. I got a couple of great pictures of him sitting on my lap. Oh, do they? He started on my chest. They slid down, slid mm-hmm. down, slid down. They said, are you going to drop him on the floor, Mrs. Bennett? I said, no, I got my hand under the, right. under the bottom. She said, well, that hand may get yellow. So, anyway. I didn't see that picture. I didn't see the one of him laying in the like bassinet. He's active, man. He's moving around. Yeah, he's, he's moving. Yeah. He's, 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 Can't hold that kid down. Oh, well, those two athletes. Well, they're active, John yeah. Krista, they're mm-hmm. big-time athletes. Uh, we've enjoyed your podcast very much. I love the idea of having more Victor Davis Hanson and Conrad Black on regularly. Awesome podcast today. You are right, and that's right. Let's go to Michael. All right, Michael says, uh, hello, Claude and Mr. Bennett. I really enjoyed your most recent podcast, January 25th. That's with- Dr. Jennings and Bill to you, not Claude. <laughs> no, it's Claude Dr. Is Jennings fine. And Dr. Bill. Bennett's probably more appropriate with Victor David Hanson and uh, Conrad Black and would love to see you make a show featuring uh, all three of you. Uh, put simply, you are the th- uh, three of the most important and respected voices in politics, history, uh, and philosophy speaking today, and I'm huge fans of all of you. For what it's worth, let me add my voice to what I'm sure is a loud chorus of supporters enjoying you to either create a new podcast featuring yourself uh, and Mr. Hansen and Mr. Black or feature them regularly on your show. Yes, a loud chorus, by right. the way. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, got one more, I think. Yeah, we're going to try to get this going. Uh, Joyce uh, emails in and says, uh, Dear Bill, terrific podcast today with Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hansen. The discussion was remarkably informative, and hopefully uh, you three gents assemble on a regular basis for more intelligent commentary. I'm with you, rooting for Ron DeSantis uh, to, make, uh, to take the helm. I can't think of anyone else that, that will stand up for the barrage uh, of attacks that the Republicans receive on a regular basis and still be likable in the end. He is smart and articulate, and I look forward to see what he does in the next couple of years. All the best. Yeah. Thanks, no, I, Look, there are other people, but I really like DeSantis, and I notice the media is really after him now. The mm-hmm. You know, it's coming on very strong. Is Marco Rubio. It'd be interesting to have two people from Florida running uh, for president. He's also talked that Rick Scott, senator from Florida, may run for president. You might have three people, mm-hmm. two senators and a, and a governor all running uh, out, of that, uh, out of that great state. All right, we heard you loud and clear about Black and Hanson, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what we can work out. And there were so many more, I mean, from David Duggan to Ryan Dauhauer and Mary Folick and uh, Lynn Peterson, uh, Matt Sharp. William Hickey, I'm literally just going down a list of people who have emailed. Uh, William Hickey, uh, buddy as Peter, important Ira, as, as important Kim as Hanning. that, as important mm-hmm. as that is, guess what I'm stuck on? What's that? Ball State and football. Yeah, <laughs> you're still trying to find a way to get so this boy into it. I'm a... just thinking we have a lot of listeners. Mm-hmm. 
We got listeners in Indiana. Somebody out there has a Ball State connection. Well, that's right. Yeah. Somebody listening to this, you forget we are mass communicating. Right. <laughs> Seth Leapson. Yeah. Remember yeah, that we line? Mass We're mass communicating yeah, yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And what Seth said, well, you must have 10 or 20,000 listeners. I said, radio show, we had two and a half million. Anyway. Right. Uh, somebody in Indiana with a Ball State connection. I mean, ask Noreen. She may know somebody. Sure. Somebody out there with a Ball State connection. Mm-hmm. If you got a Ball State connection, mm-hmm. write us, and then we'll put you in touch with Kathleen. Right. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. That'll work. All right. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. Thank you. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Joining us now, Bing West. Bing, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Let's Got talk it. about the book, The Last Platoon. Okay. Boy, your reviews yep. are fabulous. I haven't read it. I haven't okay. read it. Uh, I will read it. Oh, you, you have to. Because you really like it because what I try to do in the book is explain, if you're a grunt and you're in the combat, this is what's happening every day. And then I try to contrast that with the fact that the, the top is just clueless. Secretary of Defense, Chairman, the President, I mean, they, they're on a different page. And that's what's been happening for the last 20 years. Then I try to show how tough the Taliban are and, and what their bosses in Iran and, and Pakistan are thinking. But you got great reviews. Wonderful. Victor Davis Hanson, who we were talking the other day, who did a podcast, loves this book. Combat veteran, historian, frontline war correspondent, Bing West. This is a gripping pain to those who brave men who fought there and survived the ordeal with dignity. What is it they're fighting there and facing that we don't understand or don't appreciate? The basic reason I wrote it was because I was so angry after the last 20 years of being over there, you know, several dozen times and embedding with the different platoons. So angry at, at the whole notion that the mission could not be accomplished. And, and, and therefore, I wanted to put this platoon out there and show what they were doing in the fighting and then contrast that with what Washington was thinking and bring it back and show that beginning all the way back in 2001, when President Bush said, we owe freedom to the Afghan people and therefore we're going to build a nation there, that we got off on the wrong track. And and ever since then, we've been spinning our wheels because those Afghan tribes are hurtling headlong into the ninth century. And yes, we could build a nation there if we were willing to stay like we did in South Korea for 70 years. But I put that platoon there. It's only going to be there for seven days. And it shows that, that the task telling our telling our soldiers and grunts that they were nation builders, which is what our military did, Bill, that was just wrong. Just plain wrong. The mission could not be done. What was the mission? Is the, I mean, I'm confused now. Is the mission what President Bush said it was or not? Ah, I'd love to see somebody tell me today what our mission is because I've totally lost it. But the answer is yes. For the first 15 years from 2001 until, until 2017, the mission was to build a nation and that our military was over there supposedly clearing the Taliban out of places, and then the wonderful Afghan government would take over. And that couldn't be done. But Marines don't build Honey? nations. They fight people and kill people, right? 
Well, but they were told. But but the problem was they they changed the field manual of the of the Marines and the Army and said you are expected to be nation builders as well as warriors. That's what the Marines and the Army told our troops. And our troops over there, year after year, they knew they couldn't do this, and the colonels knew, and the generals eventually knew, and yet. Yet the system just kept sticking with it. So I thought I'd write a novel and show how just damn stupid or irresponsible it was at the top to be doing this. The mission given was to build a nation. What mission is within the realm, the the hands, the capabilities of the Marines? We're talking to Bing West. The book is The Last Platoon. What mission could they accomplish if not nation build? Could they defeat the Taliban? No. Absolutely not. They could not because we granted the Taliban from the start a 1,500-mile-long sanctuary called Pakistan. And then we kept giving aid to to the Pakistanis who were working against us with the Taliban. I mean, I think our our top leaders have an awful lot of responsibility that they didn't stand up for for the last 15 to 20 years. We gave them a mission that no general knew could be done, and we persisted with it. I I just, to this day, I am absolutely puzzled and angry about it. And that's why I wrote this book to show this is what a platoon does on the ground. Now you tell me how they're supposed to achieve this, and then to show what Washington was thinking. <laughs> no, I'm not thinking. I'm just I'm just trying to, to set it up as, as orally I can in my mind. So the mission, as enunciated by President Bush, was the wrong mission. This could have never been accomplished by the military, not with a 1,500 mile. Uh, a sanctuary, the border of Pakistan. Why? Because we couldn't go into Pakistan as well as aiding Pakistan. We couldn't go into Pakistan. We did nothing to, 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 to break Pakistan. If Pakistan is your enemy, treat them as an enemy. Yeah. Instead, we kept trying to buy them off. And Pakistan controlled the only land routes to get our supplies into Afghanistan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mean, so who's, whose mess up is this? The generals, the colonels, the generals, the presidents? Sort it out. Who's responsible for what? Who didn't say what when they should have? Who should have said what when they should have? In my judgment, the heaviest responsibility lies at the top of the CIA and the top of the military going back for the last 15 years because the CIA had the reports. The military generals knew from their colonels who knew from their lieutenants, like your son, what was going on. And yet none of them came and said, sir, we just have to sit down and talk about this. Instead, they all dithered. I mean, and I watched this year after year, including President Obama. He Look at, look at him. He went back and forth in the same sentence. I'm sending in 100,000 troops and I'm going to stop pulling them out within a year. And that was because General McChrystal, who was in charge at the time, basically said, I can do this, sir. I can do this. I can nation build. No, he couldn't. I mean, so I think, and I stand back from it, I think there was a terrific degree of two things, Bill, at the same time. A real desire by Americans to do good. I mean, our country really does want to do good. We weren't doing this for the sake of ourselves. And at the same time, because we were so strong, there was arrogance. That, that we had the power to do it. So you combined arrogance with um, a messianic concept, and we led ourselves astray. I know what you mean. I remember, um, I remember doing my radio show. You were on it a few times, and we were doing the Iraq thing and the, what was it, the Purple Thumb, you know, for, right. for elections. Yep. Yep. And, yep. and the yep. audience was totally behind it. Free country, free elections, let's do it. So McChrystal says... I don't want to just put it on McChrystal, but let's start there. 
we can nation build. So why does he say that if they can't do that? Why does he say that? The only reason I can figure out they all said it, and I had fought in Vietnam, and I had written a book about working with a combined action platoon uh, in the field. These generals who hadn't been in Vietnam drew the wrong lessons about counterinsurgency, and they believed that they had this theory that we could go in with our Marines and soldiers, and we could clear the Taliban from certain villages. And then the Afghan soldiers and the Afghan government would come in afterward and hold that area and give the the tribesmen enough goods, enough goodies, that they would buy them into supporting the central government. And gradually, the Taliban would be pushed out. That was the concept. And I thought that concept was nuts. Because when you're on patrol and you cannot speak to the villages, none of us speak to the villages. We only controlled the ground we were standing on. And the minute we left, and we would go on the average, a platoon might go into a, a village, a hamlet, once every four days for an hour, say two hours, to have a cup of tea with some some local, you know, old man. And we're there for two hours every four days, and the Taliban are there for the rest of the time. Guess who's in control? Okay. So we, 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 we deluded ourselves. We deluded ourselves year after year after year. And the, the, the guys at the bottom knew it. What I'm still puzzled about is why the people at the top at some point, particular point didn't say, Mr. President, whether it's Obama or Bush, sir, you can do this. You can build the nation just like we did in South Korea, provided you're willing to stay there for 70 years, seven zero years. Yeah. Contrast, as we say in college uh, blue book exams, compare and contrast Iraq and Afghanistan in the terms in which you've been speaking. Oh, wow. This book's about the Afghanistan war, right? This book is just about Afghanistan. I don't get anywhere near Iraq in this. I'm just in this book. I am simply focused on what did we actually, what were we doing on the ground? And what was the Taliban doing on the ground? And where did they get their money? But was Iraq in any way, but was Iraq in any way a precedent for better or worse? A good example or a cautionary tale? We did it in Iraq, we can do it in Afghanistan. No. But we couldn't do it, was, it in Iraq. It was, it, it was, not, it was neither. And, and the military line is we became so diverted because of everything we put into Iraq that we forgot about Afghanistan, and that's why we didn't win in Afghanistan. So they, you know, many people use it as an excuse, sort of saying if we'd taken all that and put it into Afghanistan, we would have won, created a, a nation in Afghanistan. Well, I mean, you know, the alternative futures get you nowhere to get into that kind of conversation. You mentioned Obama. He at one point said, correct me if I'm wrong, we're in the wrong war in Iraq. We've got to be in Afghanistan. Do I have that right? Correct. And that, that, yeah, and he said that's the war that has to be won. Right. And what drove me crazy over the years was I watched chairman, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and president saying, we're going to win this war. And I kept thinking, well, you're going to win the war if you're going to stay there for 70 years. But you're, you're not winning on the ground. I mean, there's no way you're winning on the ground. The Taliban are there. And you come up every three, our, our Marines and soldiers walk to a village every three or four days and can't even speak the language. Who are we kidding with this? And we give them a sanctuary in Pakistan. So in the book, I try to bring all this out in the novel and try to try to ask the basic question. Okay, you're given a mission that can't be done. You're, you're put in a terrible situation. So what do you do? And I'll tell you what I come back with, you know, Bill, was basically what I said, you know, in the, in, at the beginning of, of this entire novel. I, I took Augustine and I said, I took his quote, in doing what we ought, 
we deserve no praise because it is our duty. So you're given a bad hand. You chose to be in the Marines. You chose to be in the CIA. You chose to be there. So don't complain about the top because you can't change that. You just have to do your duty to your best. And that's what I try to make as the, the basic thesis in the book. Each of us is responsible for what he or she does. Sure. But the futility you suggest here because the the mission couldn't be accomplished because you don't have enough time with the villagers and the Taliban has a ton of time. You can't go into Pakistan, which you need to do, and Pakistan is aiding the Taliban. I, I guess, I, I, just just sake of the argument, I don't necessarily want to defend the presidents here, whether Democrat or Republican. But if, if you discuss a mission with a general, McChrystal or anybody else, and you say, can you do it? And he says, yes, sir, and salutes, says, I can do it. Why is that the president's fault? Well, okay, let's disentangle two, two things. What happened over the first 17 years, my book is set today in 2021 when we're carrying out an entirely different mission, just trying to help the Afghans keep their, their heads above water. But if you go back to the first question, why is it the president's fault? To a very large extent, it is that the president is the commander-in-chief. And if he were the chief executive officer of a major corporation, and he saw that the corporation was running in the red for 10 years, and his executive vice president comes in and says, yes, sir, we can do it. If the president just blithely says, well, okay, go ahead, then the president has taken upon himself the knowledge that he knows it isn't working, but he accepts that, yeah, somebody else told me it's working, so I'm going to go along with him. So I think that's a shared responsibility at the top. It's shared by the president. It's shared by his chief of staff. It's shared by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and it's shared by the director of the CIA. Director of the CIA, all these years, was saying, we're banging our heads up against the wall. Well, okay, well, let's see the record of where you told people that. So, But I'm not, my novel is about human beings, and part of it I try to show how disconnected Washington is, but I'm much more interested, as you know, and the grunts who are out there doing the real fighting and dying. I don't think it's in this book, but remember a story you told one of your books. Oh, correct me. I I have it vaguely, but it's it's about these guys who are working and working and working with the locals, and then at some point there's a truck stopped, and they blow out the tires on the truck or something. It was just kind of an act of, of resistance and futility, showing that our efforts were not going to pay off. Do you know what I'm referring to? Um, there are a lot of things that occur that way where you believe they have their, and I start the platoon novel, and I'm not going to give it away the same way. Yeah. Just at the beginning, they're out on patrol, and, and they see a farmer, and he's digging, but at the same time, he's kind of shaking his head at them. And the point man says, you know, I think he's trying to send us a message. And, and the sniper behind him said, come on, man, we, we have no time for this. Let's move on. They move on and boom, the point man gets blown up. And then the sniper is so infuriated, he wants to kill the farmer and burn down his property. And the lieutenant has to make the decision, Cruz, is that the right thing to do? Or was actually that farmer trying to help us and stay alive at the same time so the Taliban don't kill him? So you get into that dilemma that you've lost, and you're not really sure which side the people are on. But the idea that we're going to drag the people into this, that's, that's not the way in which you have to do it. You have to be tougher than the other side. So there's a lot of good faith, good work, works of heart and mind and back by our guys, but it's futile because of the confusion and misrepresentations 
and the unwillingness to go the distance at the top. Am I saying that right? I mean, we we could win these wars. Well, only, if- partially, only, 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 only partially. The, the, the other part is, is the simple fact that we're dealing with tribes in the ninth century. Yeah. And we're trying to say we're going to turn you into a democracy when all they know are their own tribes. And Pakistan is right there helping the other side. So in my novel, I try to get into that as well. But somebody should have told the top, and I think the top had sense enough to know, what kinds of tribes you're dealing with and what Pakistan was doing. And yet year after year, we kept we kept sort of giving money to the Pakistanis and saying, come on, we can all get along. And the Pakistanis kept lying to us and we kept accepting their lies. I mean, it's kind of like as bizarre as, as President Z going to Davos and being applauded. Yeah. After he's turned loose this this terrible virus on the world, and the wealthy of the world all go there and applaud him. I mean, it's just bizarre, but it happened. Yeah, and it happened that we it happened that we kept supporting Pakistan even when we knew Pakistan was providing the sanctuary to the Taliban. Meaning you you couldn't beat the Taliban because they had a sanctuary. You know, the book The Last Platoon. I bring that in, but it's not the central point of the book. The I central understand. point of the book comes back to duty. The central point of the book is focused on the platoon. And what do you do when you're the lieutenant and you're the captain out there and you're given a mission just for a week of just trying to hang on to a tiny little piece of ground and get out of there, but you know that if you take casualties, you're going to get a bad fitness report. But if you don't go out and do it, you're liable to endanger the post. But the colonel there with you, he doesn't want the casualties, and he's hoping to make general. So you get the very human aspects of this going on. And then I try to show what the firefights are really like if you're in the middle of it and what a real battle is, you know, because you know, I've been in some a real battle and what happens in a real battle, even today. And, and I try to make it as a mystery story because every time you go out, if this were easy, there wouldn't be any problem. But you have an enemy. You're going out there with 5, 10, 15 guys on patrol. He's out there, and you're out there with a rifle for only one reason. You're going to use that rifle. You're, if he shoots at you, you're going to kill him. But he has a plan to kill you and stay alive. So every single patrol is a mystery story because there's no such thing as a one-way war. Yeah, yeah. You're out there to do something. He's out there to do something. And so in the novel, I try to show how, how even this is on one of those battlefields. <laughs> you know, and you, you better keep your head on a swivel all the time. All right. Yeah, I know the head on the swivel. Never been in a platoon. Never led one. You have. My son has. But let me go back to what I know, confessing to being a swamp creature here. Is there some honesty and candor in the Trump position? I've never started a war. I'm getting these guys out. We can't do this. The hell with it. The answer is yes, and I bring that out very clearly in the book. But guess where that leads you very quickly? I don't want to give everything away, but obviously the one thing you don't want are Americans being killed in Afghanistan. And the minute this platoon gets in there and begins to mix it up because they have to stay alive, you begin to get casualties. So get him out. So get him out. He's he's getting him out, right? uh And I'm not not going to give away the ending. (laughs) So you put him in there. Now you want to get him out. Now try getting them out without looking, making it look like you surrendered and ran and knowing what the, knowing, knowing, knowing how that would appear. 
so I, I try to get into all the mixed up okay. feelings that people at the top have and then the people at the bottom. And you know what happens when everyone's conflicted, you just begin to hope nothing more happens. But when I wrote this novel, it continues to happen. Last Platoon, the author is Bing West. And uh, despite my efforts, he uh, will not budge from his uh, focus on the men, the fighting men, what's in their minds, what's in their hearts, what feelings they have, the work they do, their great nobility, their dignity, their sense of responsibility. Thanks for the book, Bing. All right, Bill. I just wish I could have more respect for the swamp and the creatures that you have to deal with there, but I don't because I I think so many of them are so selfish and so removed from reality. Let's talk about that for a minute because, you know, compared to the Marines I've gotten to know through my son, you know, I'd agree with you on most, but there are distinctions to be made, Bing, even in the swamp. You know, we don't have an oversupply of great people, but there are some good and decent people here. And there are people who are a hell of a lot better than others, even if they're not so great themselves. They're still a hell of a lot better. There's still good guys and bad guys here. Uh, at least so that I, I believe. At least, at least so so I think. And I mean, you know, as that pre- I believe. But the only way uh, a non-swamp creature like me can try to sort them out is through the press. And the press is so wow. I mean, oh, I they're over the edge and long gone. That that after a while, I, I am just bewildered. I mean, it's almost like President Trump did everything wrong. President Biden is doing everything right. I mean, you 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 have no filter. No, you, you're not given any filter to determine who the who who the genuine guys are and who the fakers are because the press has already made up their minds that one whole group of people are going to be called fakers and the other whole group are going to be called saints. And I think they failed. I think the press has done a terrible job of, of illuminating Horrible. reality. Horrible. And no self-knowledge and no no, uh, no candor. Uh, let, let, let's just, since you talked about the swamp and politics, let's go from the, the fighting men you described so well in, in the book, The Last Platoon. And let's talk about someone you mentioned, which is, you know, on the world stage. Bigger fight than Afghanistan, bigger fight than Iraq, and that's China. So President yep. Xi goes to Davos and is applauded. Yeah. And uh, I went to Davos once. I didn't know you were a plutocrat. You have your own jet. Swamp, swamp creature and plutocrat. <laughs> wow. I was, uh, I think, Secretary of Education. I think I flew first class, so maybe that gets yep. me there. Woo. I wasn't invited back because I was asked to go there sure. and, um, and talk about the importance of religion and the lives of men. And I think I actually quoted your buddy and my buddy, Augustine. And um, I was never invited back. And the European audience hated what I said because they said, you know what religion has done to Europe, you know, these wars. So I said, it's also what defines Europe, Western civilization, you know. I mean, when when that, when that, when Notre Dame was burning, it was, you know, everybody said, well, it's a landmark. That's a church. Exactly. (laughs) It's a church, (laughs) damn it. Anyway, President Xi. So, I mean, you know, what what happens there? What happens there? Do you have you have a guess what's going to happen? I mean, these guys are moving around out there, right? They're hopping, island hopping. They're grabbing territory. They're roughing up the people in Hong Kong and Taiwan is, you know, getting nervous. What do you think? Let me let me let me try to respond. You know, as a Marine would and and. I am a historian, et cetera, but I'll start with this, that major wars are like hurricanes. 
they recur. And, and human nature has not reformed itself. There will be other na- major wars in the future. When you look back on World War II, if there ever were a time when you looked at the way our press evaluates things today, you would have said, well, we just came out of the Great Depression. And most people didn't have wealth. There was huge inequality. And therefore, we weren't united. Oh, really? The minute World War II happened, the country was totally united and took very, very, very stern measures to ensure that our way of life continued. Now you look at the future with China, and, and, and I'm, I'm recalling what, what the historian Toynbee said, great civilizations are not murdered, they commit suicide. Yeah. And I look at the Chinese under Z having a terrible disease, and allowing it to infect the world and then hiding the fact they were doing it, not cooperating in any way, and, 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 and emerging stronger as an economy because of it, while the rest of the world is crippled and the rest of the world, including the United States, shows no backbone and, and, and doesn't say, we are going to enforce strictures against China because of this on the economic and on the political and social level. We are not going to tolerate this. Wow. I mean, I, I, I worry about the gradual disintegration of a great civilization when it doesn't even recognize it's gradually beginning to disintegrate. And, and Z and China is my classic example. How can you go around and do what they're doing and, and, having, and having everyone at Davos stand up and applaud them? I don't get it. I really don't get it. Well, I don't want to bring up this name again because he's history, but Trump was pretty good on China, don't you think? He was. He was. I mean, the man is that classic mixture, I think, of, of very, very bad traits and some good traits, which, okay, we, we all are on balance, however. On, I think it, at the end, he, he just unraveled and, and his character was very low. But some of his policies, especially toward China, were absolutely the right ones for the, for the nation. They absolutely were. Yeah, I, th- I think um, uh, you know, I'm a partisan and I defended him. And, I, you know, obviously he did a lot of things that were, you know, boorish and wrong and irresponsible. I don't think he should have been unelected for it. But the Trump sure. doctrine, the Trump doctrine, if you will, I think will continue and needs to continue. And, and frankly, it's not that different from the Reagan doctrines. Uh, a lot of similarities. If you take the personality, I think he lost the election because of personality, didn't he? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Go ahead. Personality. You had mentioned religion. Now, the interesting thing is all the battlefields I've been on, and and I wrote a book called um, One Million Steps, where I was out with this platoon in Sangin, where we had 52 Marines to start with. Ended up with 26. We had three or four killed, but then we had nine amputations and 17 gunshot wounds. Half the platoon was gone after they were finished seven months of patrolling every day, I calculated they made one million steps outside the wire. 50% of them were hit. And and I, at the end, asked each of them to put out a, I, I put out, a, I, I wrote the book and I said, look, I, I also want to indicate what you all think about certain things. So I gave each of them a questionnaire to fill out in private. Every one of them did it in private, talked to nobody, handed it in to me. One of the questions I had was, um, because we saw death and, and, and terrible things. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in 
anything like the commandments? Or do you think that's a, a myth? Where do you stand on that? To my amazement, um, something in the order of 70% came back in, in the questionnaire and said, I believe in God and in his commandments and in another world after this. Another 20% said, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't make up my mind. And 10% said no. So the overwhelming majority believed in God. They believed in religion. They didn't talk about it, you, you know, but, but when they saw death up close. And so in the last platoon, I have several scenes where a Marine will be dying. And, and I went back to what I saw a couple of times. They, they don't die with anger. They, they, they always reach out with love. And, and one of the characters in the book asked the question, is there really something out there? And he's asking it to a very intelligent CIA man. And the CIA man said, well, Aquinas was once asked that. And he, he basically said, so who made the universe? And the answer was, well, nothing. And Aquinas said, well, if nothing made the universe, then using the word nothing is another word for God, because nothing made the universe, therefore nothing is God. And what he was trying to indicate is you believe or you don't believe because it's an article of faith. But I have to tell you that most most of the grunts that I've been with in the Army and Marines over the last oh, 50 years now, when you're in a situation where you're dying and watching others die, you express love and you do believe that there is a God. You do believe in religion. And, and, and only at our peril do we, do we kind of indicate as a civilization like the Europeans are trying to do that uh, you can say, well, we're, we're, we're post-religion. That's nonsense. I think that's just nonsense. Uh, the book is The Last Platoon. The author is Bing West. Bing, we still uh, have to get together sometime. I got two of these Grumpa glasses. You qualify as a Grumpa, I would imagine. <laughs> we'll have an old-fashioned or Manhattan or whatever you like. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next time.